Welcome to the Expert Speak podcast with Michael DeLon. Each episode features a leading expert who shares helpful insights, practical tips, and memorable stories that will inspire you, educate you, and help you enjoy more success, freedom, and purpose in your life. For the next few minutes, enjoy listening to Expert Speak with Michael DeLon. And welcome to another Experts Speak podcast interview. I'm Michael DeLon. Today, I am talking with Stefan. Uh, Stefan Hume, and uh, you're going to really, really like this one. He's a he's an amazing guy, a great business owner, and uh, he's going to teach you about music lessons, voice lessons, and all things musical, which I'm really looking forward to because I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Stefan, thank you for being here. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Good. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's Stefan. Yes. Stefan. There you go. Stefan. I'll work on that one. Yeah, that's um, all right. No offense. Uh, that's right. Hey, Stefan is the uh, the author of a book called I Fell in Love with Music. And so we want to talk about that because that's a great title. It's an awesome book. Uh, he's also the uh, the owner of a music school um, out in uh, the, the Denver, Colorado area. Um, why don't you tell us about that music school and um, how you got into doing this whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for having me. First of all, Michael, I really appreciate you and, and for talking about the book. And you're here in Littleton, Colorado, which is, you know, a couple miles south of Denver. Uh, it's actually a really big city. Uh, and yeah, uh, tell me, tell you a little bit about me. Tell you a little bit about the school, that kind of thing, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Give us some background. Who are you and how in the world did you get to do what you're doing? Yeah. So on a basic level, you know, uh, I've got a wife. She's fantastic. She's a pediatric nurse here in Denver. So she is, uh, you know, she works with kids too, but in a very different way. And um, I've got two beautiful children, a son and a daughter. Um, I've been a musician my whole life. And we started our music school 14 years ago, actually, almost to the month. Um, So yeah, yeah, um, we celebrated that in April. It's been a long, wild journey, as many business owners would tell you, if they've been in business for any length of time, particularly that long. And, you know, we've so we've seen hundreds of students. We've seen dozens of teachers, you know, um, business partners that have come and gone, you know, and and overall just a long evolution that to me in, in many ways uh, feels like we're just getting started. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, 14 years in business. That's a long time. Way to go, man. Um, a lot of people don't make it that long. And not only have you been in business 14 years, but you have a pretty successful business. Talk to us about, well, t- first of all, how'd you get into doing this? I mean, you weren't born owning a music school. There's got to be a story there somewhere. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I, I should say, I, you know, little did I know I was preparing to run a music school for most of my life. And, uh, you know, so a little bit, little background on me, you know, I grew up um, second of six kids. Uh, My parents met in musical theater. You know, they, there was always singing when we grew up. Um, You know, my parents were divorced when I was young. So we moved with my mom across the country and, and, you know, as a single mom, she, she had two waitressing jobs for a while. You know, we saw some hard times just to make ends meet some challenging times, even some really dark times. Um, I actually ended up developing a faith in God, not knowing religion per se, um, but at a very young age. And then, you know, you couple that with finding music at the age of 12, and it just, it transformed my life. You know, the guitar led me to, you know, finding a passion and pursuing the discipline and the joy of getting better at a musical instrument. You know, um, one of the things people ask me about playing guitar, like, what's the secret? For me, it's like, 
it's mostly about having the passion to do the same thing a thousand times. You know, I've just got a lot of patience, no, not more, you know, double scoop of talent or anything like that. But yeah, uh, the better I got, the more the world made sense to me, you know, at a very young age. And uh, the more I had a grasp of what was, you know, the world spinning around me seemed like it was out of control for a long time. And so, you know, that's kind of the light version of the story we talk about in the book a little bit. Um, but, you know, it helped me get an identity and a sense of a destination, as it were, in life. And so, you know, I always prayed that God would use me for what he would. That was my that was my prayers, you know, like I say, not knowing religion, but more just like, you know, hey, you know, if I can use this, my my skills in music, I, I'll do it, you know, but whatever it is, I'll do, it, you know. And and so, you know, I firmly believe that, um, you know, the pieces that have fallen into place in my adult life were exactly the answer to that prayer. Um, what led me to use my skills in, in a combined and purposeful way. The short version of the story is I went on to go study music in college. And, and during that time, as a pursuit of music, I worked at a music retail store. And then I started to get really clear that there was more to do. It was just kind of an internal sense. And believe it or not, one of my customers came in and said, do you want to help us start a, a rock music school for kids? And I just knew instantly the answer was yes. I, I didn't have any idea we would be here, you know, 14 years later, we've touched so many lives and simply just by passing the torch, you know, Michael, of just musical inspiration to so many people, all walks, all ages of life. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's great. Congratulations. And that's awesome to be able to make an impact, but you're following your passion, which is really cool. And I, I love the story you just told and how it ties in with the title of your book. I fell in love with music. That's great. Um, <laughs> but talk to us about, you know, you, you run the, the, the Littleton School of Music. So you teach students, uh, young and old, how to how to play music, and that's something that is very can be very intimidating to somebody before they they come through your doors, right? Whether it's yeah. piano or or guitar, talk a little bit about some of those fears and how do you help people get across those fears? If if somebody's listening to this and go, man, I've always wanted to play guitar or piano or sing, but I'm scared. How do you how do you talk to people, you know, with those issues? Right. Well, that's a great question. And I can't take credit for this idea. I can, I'll give credit to Victor Wooten is one of my favorite musicians. And if you've never heard of him, uh, anyone that's listening, um, check out his book. It's called um, The Music Lesson. And the cool part is there's not a single note in the book. And, and <laughs> you get the idea that, and he's prolific, but he talks about how music is a language right mm -hmm. music is something there's only two music or excuse me there's only two universal languages and that is uh math and music and huh. so music itself is something that you don't have to speak to understand right anyone you know can put on their favorite album whether they can play a note sing a lick or not you know they can relate to it you can feel it that's why it's in movies that's why you know it's in so many facets of our life it's it's a language that we can't live without and we don't live without for many many good reasons that don't require mathematical explanation it's just true right music and when you look at it like that when you realize that music is a language then you can kind of think about how you know when you were a child you learned to speak your native language um, without anyone telling you that you had to read a book before you could speak it right I think most people think that in order to be those who have those fears think that in order to be a musician you have to um, read music. You have to come from some elite club where all you can do is read music and and, and thousands of hours 
at some kind of conservatory and then you finally make the club where you're allowed to be a musician, you know? And the, and the answer is tell that to any five-year-old you give a ukulele to, right? They're, they're going to pick it up and they're going to start banging on it, you know, and they're going to have fun. They're going to sing, you know, they sing to kids when they're really little because it's something that helps them remember things. So music is very, very much um, as approachable as you can let it be. And it can be as intimidating as you want it to be if you, if you look at it from the wrong lens. You know, and, that, and that's, a, that's a great point. I'm glad you said that because one of the um, uh, things that, you know, I tried to do a, when I was a teenager, somebody taught me how to play guitar. So I learned what the seven basic chords and I could play a bunch of songs, not great, but then later in life, I wanted to play piano, and I found a book, and it taught me the basic chords and things, and I could play, you know, a dozen songs, and really, that's all that I wanted to do, but you're right, I can't read music to this day, but music is a part of my life, and so as, as people are out there, they're wanting to learn something, I guess what you just told us is um, the, the barrier to learning an, an instrument is much lower than what we may perceive. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's oftentimes in the mind. And if you can put an instrument in someone's hands, or if you can get them singing, or if you can put them in front of piano and say, "Look, don't even think about notes. Just put your fingers down and play these. Play this sequence of notes. Let's just do numbers really quick." You know, within five minutes, you can teach someone almost anything simple. And then when they when you learn to play music, you gain an ownership of it, for lack of a better term. It's like you, it's like you become a stockholder in the music you love. And I remember the first time I learned how to play uh, a Jimi Hendrix song, probably very terribly, right? But I, <laughs> it was the intro, right, on guitar. And I thought it was so cool because, you know, from that point forward, I knew that he was playing on the seventh fret of the guitar, or I knew I had a different perspective. And, and the more you see that you can do that, I think it just builds, you know, and. Well, and, and that's a great, that's a great point because, you know, my, my song went back to smoke on the water, right? Yes. And I can play that to this day that at least that beginning. Um, but it's, it's, uh, th you just hit something that I think is really crucial for people who are listening. If, if they want to do a music lesson, if they want to learn, or if they have, uh, have children maybe is the confidence that it brings so talk a little bit about how you've seen students transition and, and, and be transformed from, from maybe somebody who doesn't have much confidence to, no, I can play this instrument and how that plays out with recitals and other, other aspects of life because it's not just about playing a guitar. Mm. That's a good question, Michael. Um, there are different angles I suppose I could sure. think of, but I, I, would say, I would say the most common thing is on a simple level, when, when you see somebody play something like the instrument, let's just, I'll use guitar a lot. It's my primary instrument, but you know, it, it goes for any instrument. If you, if you put a guitar in somebody's hands, right. And, and it just sat there, it's not going to do anything, right. It's just going to be a stationary object with, you know, it's not going to make any sound. It's going to sit there when you show them that they can with their own hands, create a sound with the guitar. And it's coming and they go, whoa, you smoke on the water. It's like in our top 50, you know, most necessary guitar riffs to learn. Um, yeah, when someone can play smoke on the water and they go, wow, I didn't know, I didn't have to go get a doctor's degree. Like I, I wasn't having to bo be born into the Mozart dynasty to do that, you know. And, 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 and I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you to this day really what notes those are, right? You just know it. You just feel it. Yeah, and I always tell people, with guitar players, you know what Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Eric Clapton have in common? 
No idea. Can't read music. Oh, you're kidding me. No. Who would have thought? I would never have thought that. Right. Now, let me just say this as a disclaimer. Anyone that's listening that's going, oh, he's a knuckle-dragging guitar player that's talking about <laughs> how you don't have to read music. If you want to learn to be proficient on certain instruments and go to certain areas, like say you want to be in an orchestra or a band professionally or something like that, then of course you need to read. It's the same thing as when you learn to speak a language. You know, eventually if you want to articulate it, like the book that we're talking about, eventually you need to be able to read and write to gain deeper understanding of something. But I just illustrate that mostly as a, as a disclaimer than to say, I've met so many great musicians who couldn't tell you. They're almost perfect pitch in their ear, but they couldn't tell you a C sharp from a B. You know, they don't know the difference between anything on paper, but have them sing you a song and they'll just make your day. And, and there's value to that, you know, and I think that's what people, that's why they come to music because they enjoy it, Right. But then they, they somehow talk themselves out of it in the light of your question, Michael, which is when people wonder if they can actually do it, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's a great uh, analogy and it's a great point that really at the end of the day, almost everybody can do it. It takes a little bit of guidance and instruction and probably a lot of encouragement. And I remember when I first played guitar, it was acoustic guitar. It was kind of hard and it didn't sound perfect, but I could tell, hey, that's that same song. And it made me want to practice to get better. And as I did that, I got confident. It's like, well, I wonder if I could play the next song. And so it, it was a learning thing. And then the really fun part for me anyway is when you went to a party or something and you could pick up a guitar and play three or four songs and everybody's like, wow, you play guitar? It's like, well, oh, yeah. yeah then you put it down after your third song. Yeah, but that's all I want to do today. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I want to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all how you couch it, right? Um, yeah. Talk, talk to us about the process. Uh, somebody, if they're in your area or, or not, I mean, and they want to do music lessons, what, what are some encouraging things, some words of encouragement for, let's say, a parent who has a, a child, whatever age, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, who, how, how would that parent know if their child might be leaning towards musical something? If, are there things kids do that we should be saying, he might, he might be interested? Yeah. Uh, that's a really great question because, again, there are some misnomers, I think. Uh, the book talks about this a little bit, too, with regard to practice, for example, because we all go through lulls of practice. I'm a professional musician. I own a music school, and I'm currently in a little bit of a practice slump. It doesn't mean that I stopped playing music, and um, and I go through these periods of time where all I can do is play, you know. And so that's, that's one thing we talk with parents. Um, I think as people come to talk to us, the first thing they want to do is – they want to believe the reviews they read online, but just like anything, you want to, everything's relational. So you have to learn that these, you can trust, okay, is, are they going to be able to tell me if my kid has uh, a skill in a certain area? And, and believe it or not, the simplest answer is often true, right? Um, is a student going to love an instrument right away that they may eventually get really, really good at? No, that's, if people ask me about timelines, like our school's month to month, I say give it at least six months on one instrument because I've seen kids turn around on, on month five, you know, um, and, and all of a sudden they just, oh, something clicks, you know, and then they just take off. Um, but the other factor that's the simplest one is do they love it? Do they want to do it? You know, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean to when they go home, do they play for hours? But the biggest metric is, you know, I, I tell parents, you know, if your kid's like, trying to put a cat in the bathtub when you're bringing them to music lessons, 
you know, then you know you shouldn't be doing music lessons. Or maybe you at least need to try a new instrument or a new teacher, right? Um, all those things are, new, are characteristics that we can help people change. They're not locked into a teacher or a time or an instrument if they want to try something different, you know? Yeah, and, and that's one thing I want to talk about with, with your school in particular is – uh, the variety versus, versus, you know, paying a private teacher to come to your house or you go to them. You right. have the opportunity with your school. And I want you to talk a little bit about this, that if, if Johnny starts with piano, he can easily transition to guitar or something else. Or if Johnny doesn't resonate with his teacher, you have other teachers. Talk a little bit about that. And in, in I guess the value from a, from a parent's standpoint, or even an older adult, the, the, the value of coming to a music school like you have. Right. Well, I th- think I think you kind of said it really which is that we have a school you know we have an established music school with you know over a dozen teachers currently and counting you know and and all of our teachers on staff here at our school are employees they're not contractors and the reason that's different is because um we're, we we all train to have the same brain right so I'll use myself as an analogy um I I don't teach as much anymore as the director of our school I I kind of teach teachers to do the things that help gain, you know, the passion in their students and, and help retain students interest and inspiration over time. Right. Cause that's what you want for anybody is that they love it. Right. And the, and the better they get, the, the longer they play, the better they get and the better they get, the more fun that it is. Um, but to the point of um, teaching people how to uh, be music teachers at our school, one of the things we talk about is, it's not about us. It's about them. It's, it's not about us, the teachers. It's about them, the student. Uh, I, on average, when lessons with me, students will be with me for three to five years, if not longer. That's a long time on a month-to-month music lesson. That's, that's well above average um, for, for especially non-experienced music teachers. And I work to develop our teachers to have that same kind of a and what that really means, it's, it's not about keeping them in our school as a client. It's about understanding that there's, there's so much more to engaging somebody. But what I was going to say before I forget my train of thought is I have been some students' favorite teacher, but there have been times where I wasn't the best fit for them. And I've had to say to them, you know what, that's a skill or that's a thing. I really think you need to work with so-and-so. And I've passed that student along temporarily to no teacher. And I got to tell you, it makes me so happy. I wish my staff were here right now so you could meet them and talk to them because they're all so wonderful. Um, But it makes me really happy when somebody prefers one of my teachers, because even if it were just about my own ego, I'm like, well, I hire an awesome teacher, you know? Um, But, but the real, the real thing is when we're really talking to people about it being about them, they understand that on, on a basic level. If, if you were to come to me for music lessons and I tried to force you into an instrument and force you into a teacher in time and it wasn't resonating with you, you would just quit anyway, you know? That's right. Yeah. So our teachers are trained to not, um, to not flinch if they, if they, you know, realize another teacher would be better or no one's faking it. And I think that's another trust factor. You know, if you find somebody on Craigslist and you're just taking with them, simply because they're the cheapest guy in town and they live three, three blocks away from you. Um, but you're, you know, you feel like you're kind of locked in cause that's the one and only person to teach you. We have a whole staff of vetted teachers that go through. I always tell parents when they ask me about our teachers, I say the first thing I do is look for personality, right? Cause yep. 
Then we go on to background checks and their resume and their skill assessments. They actually go through three gates before they teach their first lesson. That's awesome. Technically four gates because that fourth gate is them teaching sub lessons and then we get feedback from people. And then once I feel like all those things line up, then we start to build their teaching calendar with them. So it, it probably takes about 30, 30 to one, 30 teachers I interview to one I hire. Wow. Um, that's incredible. Um, yeah. but that's, that's really important as, as you talk about the credibility of your staff and the experience that somebody's going to have there. And I, I really think, and I love the fact that you said, you know, you've had students last a long time and that's really important because, uh, you know, from a musical standpoint or just a growth standpoint, the longer they're there, the better they're going to get and, and the more joy they're going to find. And maybe they too will fall in love with music, right? <laughs> talk to us, talk to us a bit about your book and, and, and why you wrote the book and, and, what do you hope somebody, why would somebody want to read this? What, is, what, what should they gain, gain from that? Yeah, so, you know, for starters, I wanted something to easily hand to people to answer a lot of questions in an organized way. So that's what the book does. Chapter by chapter, it's very easy to understand, you know, the answers to the most common questions people have. Um, I also wanted to um, give a brief story. Like I told you, that first chapter talks a bit about what music has done for me. Um, I, I've toyed with the idea of writing a deeper uh, story about that, maybe someday. But um, yeah, so when the opportunity came to collaborate with one of my favorite mentors, Marty Fort, uh, who's a co-author on that book, I just couldn't pass it up, you know. Um, and we're very happy with the reactions that people have had to the book. Not to mention, it just looks cool, you know. Can you hold it up again? It, it, it does look really cool. There it yeah. is. And, and you, can get a, you can get a copy of this on Amazon, and you can go and just look at it. It's really cool now. Um, but it, it is a great cover, and inside is even better because it does tell your story, which we won't give away here. We'll let them get a copy of the book. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it does a great job of talking about you and who you are and, and how you, the process of how you fell in love with music. And I think that's so important to understand that if somebody's going to come and, and be part of your school, there's a story behind it. There's a reason why you have this going, why you're doing what you're doing versus, you know, conducting an orchestra or doing whatever else you could do because you're a man of many talents. Uh, but your passions lie here. And I think that's real important that if somebody thinks about taking music lessons for themselves or their, their child, passion is something that's really important from the, the teacher's perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Um, how, how can somebody find, besides going to Amazon, which is great, how else could they get a copy of the book? Oh, yeah. They can go to our website, which is easy. It's littletonmusiclessons.com. And just go to the request info page and fill that out, and I'll send them a copy. I'll send anyone a copy. And uh, it's genuinely free, and there's genuinely no hard sell. If they, you know, if it's for them, great. If they find it entertaining, great. Uh, if it's not for them, they can give the book away. I've seen that before you know, where people just, mm -hmm. they get the book because they know some people that they think would be interested, you know? Right. Well, and one of the things that I love about it is, you're right, it's not a hard sell. This is really educational, and it, it could help somebody, even if they're teaching their own student or, or they're going to a different school or whatever, they're going to find lots of value in here because of the way the, the entire book is structured, and that's good. So I would just encourage people to go to, to the website, and what, what website was that again? LittletonMusicLessons.com? littletonmusiclessons.com. And 
I was going to say something too, really quick, Michael, which is just that what we've learned through this, um, this lockdown we've gone through with this pandemic, with COVID-19, one of the, one of the silver linings for us has been that our students, a majority of them stayed with us and we really have perfected the zoom lesson platform. And so anyone that's listening doesn't have to live nearby Littleton. Now they can actually reach out to us and take lessons anywhere in the world. And We've already seen people who are moving uh, out of state or cities away where they couldn't drive and saying, we're going to stick with you guys. So, you know, that's something that we're really excited about because that really means that our good friends and students, we don't have to say goodbye forever if they move out of of state or something and they like their progress. Or if you want to start just from square one with us online, it actually, we make the process really easy to um, feel like they're still part of it. And those people can still come travel to us to do our recitals. Um, we'll still ship their trophies and their materials to them that they earn. Um, so anyway, I, you didn't ask that, Michael, but if someone's curious, they, they don't have to live close by it anymore. You know? well, no, no, I love that because that's really cool. That It's interesting that you know there is some good that has come out of the COVID-19 thing. That's one of them. And it, it's broadened your business base, but it allows a lot of people to say, you know what? Here's another example, maybe um, a stay-at-home mom who has kids who wants to take lessons, who can't get away, can't drive 15, 20 minutes. And sp- she could just have the kids doing schoolwork and say, okay, I'm going to do my music lesson for what, 30 minutes or whatever it is. Uh, talk, just talk a little bit about how long is a music lesson, things of that nature. Well, you hit it. We do 30 minute and 60 minute lessons, generally speaking. So, you know, okay. gauge, you know, and some people come in at 30 and upgrade to 60, you know, that's the most common change, although you can go the other way too, you know, if it's 60s too long, but oftentimes they get going, you know, and like this conversation, you know, goes by really fast. And when you really like your teacher, you know, so 30 to 60 is like the most common times that we do. Okay. And you guys do, uh, you've mentioned it multiple times, just a month by month. So there's no long-term contract you have to sign or anything. And, right. and it is month by month, but you also said that you'd, you'd really encourage people to commit to six months minimum. To, yes. to get involved, get used to it, and go from there. So that's that's good. And as far as instruments, what type of instruments do you guys teach? This one grows by the day. In fact, we just added mandolin the other day. Oh, very cool. And part of that's because teachers come in and they're not sure if we teach it. And then I interview them again and they go, oh, yeah, I, I can definitely teach that instrument. I play it all the time. But basically our primary instruments are voice, piano, guitar, bass guitar, um, you've got violin, saxophone, um, ukulele is very popular, especially for young kids who want to learn to play the guitar, but it's a little bit too cumbersome for their hands. A ukulele is very easy to do. And as I said, mandolin, um, cello, and we're looking to add more woodwinds, things like flute, clarinet, things for like band and orchestra. Hmm. But okay. It's kind of all over the place, really. Well, it sounds like it, but that's good because that gives people an option that once again, I may come in looking for guitar and find out that I hear that mandolin over there. I go, can I play that? What would that be like? And in my you know, little non-musical brain is I think that's a big jump. And probably what you're going to tell me is, no, that's a pretty simple jump, Michael. Right? <laughs> it depends. I mean, you know, it, it, co- there's cost. You know, we help navigate that with people so that they know to what instruments to get. You, you know, you don't have to. The most common question for instruments is, you know, what's the most affordable thing I can get? Especially if you've got like a seven-year-old kid, you know, they do have whims. We get that, you know, and, and so you don't have to go buy the Rolls Royce of guitars when you 
but you do want to make sure that people don't just get the toy at a department store guitar that won't stay in tune or violin that you can buy for really, really inexpensive online. There is a, there is a breaking point where you actually don't encourage the enjoyment of music. If, uh, if the instrument quality isn't that great, my first guitar was on the edge. It, it stayed in tune and I still have it. I'm like, I can't believe I learned to play on this thing for my first like two years. Um, but there is a difference between a you know a hundred dollar violin and a five thousand dollar violin, and there's lots in between there too. Yeah, yeah. well, without question, I've got some friends whose kids have been you know musical virtuosos, and they have those five thousand dollar violins, and you're like, I'm not touching it, but it sounds <laughs> so good, right? And there's a, there is a big difference. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but again, I don't have to start out with a five thousand uh, dollar guitar, do I? No. And uh, that's that's cool. Talk real quick as as we kind of bring this uh, interview to a close. Some common questions that you get when you're talking to uh, a prospective client. Let's say it's a let's say it's a parent who has one or two children who are thinking about doing this. Uh, what are what are the the big one or two concerns that they would have, and and how would you get them over that? I mean, is it a do you bring them into your to your academy, or I mean, what do people struggle with when they think music lessons? Well, I mean, the first thing is you've got two camps, right? You've got the people who have never taken lessons before, and they're just wondering, are you who you say you are? You know, we see your online reviews. Most people now are really informed. By the time they call us or email us, they've looked around. You know, they've looked and they see, okay, they've got a lot of five-star reviews, but and they've got a lot of benefits on their website. People have said this to me, so I know this is what they're thinking. And they say, but are they who they say they are? Does someone answer the phone or call me back? Or, you know, are they real people that do really what they say? So that's the, the first hurdle. But then there's also people who have taken lessons before, but they're trying something new. And often what that really, what they're really saying, you know, is I wasn't inspired the first time. What are you going to do to inspire me this time? And so I think it really is, is that, I mean, the most, you said, what's the most common question that people have? Or, or Yeah. Question, hurdle. Yeah, because they're sitting there for some reason. They're not engaging. They've thought about it. I know. I know from my perspective, being you know helping clients like you create a book, it's not uncommon for me to talk with somebody and they say, "I've always thought about writing a book." Right, <laughs> right. Well, we you know we oftentimes get first of all we recognize that people are anytime we answer the phone or or, or email people, we we don't do the hard sell you know because we're going to know people are going to be at different stages of that. From, you know, literally we've had grandparents call in and they're thinking six months down the road for Christmas, maybe, you know. And so, you know, you talk to them differently than someone that's like, let's get out of the house. We're going crazy. Let's play. Let me get my kid in piano lessons today, you know. And so we try to ask better questions that work for them. But I I would say that the most common question we get is, how does it work? And what they're really asking is, you know, you start to talk about the, the nuts and bolts of commitment and cost and timing. But what they're really trying to figure out is, can I trust you? You know, are you really who you say you are? And, and, and to try to paint a picture for themselves, they don't need to know, you know, like you said, those hurdles earlier, you know, most common people, the aha moments that happen during our first conversations are around the fact that it's easy. You can take one step at a time. It's not, you know, it's fun, you, you know, and those kinds of things. So when people ask us how it works, what they're really trying to do is navigate. It's kind of like the wild, wild west out there. You know, anybody can teach music lessons, you know, even if they haven't had experience. You said you can play seven chords. You could decide you want to be the seven guitar chord guitar teacher tomorrow. And, and that doesn't mean you wouldn't do a great job, right? I'm just saying 
people don't know the difference between that and, and Littleton School of Music, uh, uh, you know, an actual retail space, you know, so they're trying to figure out if they trust us, right? If, if we, if we can really be and listen to them, you know, if, if they're just a number, you know, I know that when I go somewhere, you know, if I'm signing, you know, someone up for something, I can tell if, if it's not a real experience. Yeah. And that's so important. And, and I guess that's one of the things that I would encourage people if they're interested in it, uh, go, go to, um, go to the website, Littleton musiclessons.com and request a copy of this book. I fell in love with music because this is one book that you're going to read. You're going to, you're going to learn more about Stefan. And in this book, there are lots of questions that a lot of people ask and the answers. That's a really cool thing. So if you want to really vet uh, somebody around music lessons and things, get a copy of this book. You can get it on Amazon or you can go to his website. He'll mail it to you free. And now anywhere in the world, you can get it and have music lessons uh, with uh, the Littleton School of Music, right? That's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> excited that um, COVID-19 has opened up the world uh, for you and allows more people to uh, get involved with not just reading your book, which is a great book, but with music lessons and understanding the value and the joy that can be had when you, when you learn an instrument, because it's really cool. So any, uh, any parting thoughts to somebody who's sitting on the edge, sitting out there going, well, I don't know. What would you just encourage somebody to do? Oh, it's just like, you know, Nike got it right the first time. Just do it, you know? Get, That's give great. It go. You got nothing to lose. I mean, the most common thing people say when they're, especially adults, is I wish I would have stuck to it. You know, even, even in pieces, right? If you just give it a shot, you might really surprise yourself. I didn't, you know, I didn't know in the first 11.92 years of my life that I would ever be a guitar player. You know, I never knew. And, you know, neither did my parents. And, um, and look at where we are now. I can't stop playing guitar. So you might really just love it is the thing. Well, that's great. And, and I think that's, that's great counsel is just do it. Uh, take the step. And I would say you know, the first step that you should take, uh, unless you just pick up the phone and call them, is go to their website, littletonmusiclessons.com, and, and request a copy of his book. I fell in love with music. Of course, there's his phone number there. You can email him as well. You can talk to him. Uh, Stefan, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate you too. Well, you're welcome. I, I, I got tons of value out of this and learned a few things along the way, and I, I'm sure our listeners did as well. So um, you take care of yourself, and we will be in touch soon, okay? Thanks for listening to another episode of Experts Speak podcast. Thanks for listening to Experts Speak with Michael DeLon. If what you've heard today was helpful to you, reach out to our expert guest and see how they can serve you to bring you more success, freedom, and purpose in your life.